brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that sends 5% of your monthly plan price to your favorite charity. No contracts, nationwide coverage, risk-free guarantee. Learn more at CharityMobile.com. Today we are going to go over the epistle of St. Alexander of Alexandria. He's writing here to Alexander, a different Alexander, bishop of the city of Constantinople. They are talking about the Arian heresy. And what he's going to describe here is going to sound very familiar to us, and he's going to have a very spicy take, which is to say that those who try to destroy the church by teaching heresy aren't in the church, even if they hold offices in the church. Not much more of an introduction needs to be said than that. To Alexander, Bishop of the city of Constantinople, to the most reverend and like-minded brother Alexander, Alexander sends greeting in the Lord. The ambitious and avarice will of wicked men is always wont to lay snares against those churches which seem greater, by various pretexts attacking the ecclesiastical piety of such. For incited by the devil who works in them, to the lust of that which is set before them, and throwing away all religious scruples, they trample under the foot the fear of the judgment of God. Concerning which things I who suffer have thought it necessary to show to your piety, in order that you may be aware of such men, lest any of them pressure to set foot in your dioceses, whether by themselves or by others. For these sorcerers know how to use hypocrisy to carry out their fraud, and to employ letters composed and dressed out with lies, which are able to deceive a man who is intent upon a simple and sincere faith. Arius, therefore, and Achilles have lately entered into a, consp- into a plan, emulating the ambition of Caluthus, and have turned out far worse than he. For Caluthus, indeed, who reprehends these very men, found some pretext for his evil purpose, but these, beholding his battering of Christ, endured no longer to be subject to the church, but building for themselves dens of thieves. They hold their assemblies in them unceasingly, night and day directing their calumnies against Christ and against us. For since they call in question all pious and apostolic doctrine after the manner of the elder brothers in the faith, they have constructed a workshop for contending against Christ, denying the Godhead of our Savior, and preaching that he is only the equal of all others. And having collected all the passages which speak of his plan of salvation and his humiliation for our sakes, they endeavor from these to collect the preaching of their impiety, ignoring altogether the passages in which his eternal Godhead and unutterable glory with the Father is set forth. Since therefore they back up the impious opinion concerning Christ, which is held by our so-called elder brothers and Greeks, in every possible way they strive to gain their approval, busying themselves about all those things which they are wont to deride in us, and daily stirring up against us seditions and persecutions. And now indeed they drag us before the tribunals of the judges, by intercourse with silly and disorderly women whom they have led into error. At another time they cast opprobrium and infamy upon the Christian religion, their young maidens disgracefully wandering about every village and street, nay, even Christ's invisible tunic, which those who oft him were unwilling to divide, these wretches have dared to rend. And we indeed, though we discovered rather late on account of their concealment, their manner of life and their unholy attempts, by the common suffrage of all have cast them upon from the congregation of the church, which adores the Godhead of Christ. But they, running here and there against us, have begun to betake themselves to our colleagues, who are of the same mind with us, in appearance indeed in pretending to seek for peace and concord, but in reality seeking to draw over some of them by fair words to their own afflictions. 
asking long wordy letters from them, in order that reading these to the men whom they have deceived, they may make them impenitent in the, to the errors in which they have fallen, and obdurate in impiety, as if they had bishops thinking the same thing and siding with them. Moreover, the things which among us they have wrongfully taught and done, and on account of which they have been expelled by us, they do not at all confess to them. But they either pass them over in silence or throwing a veil over them, by feigned words and writings they deceived them. Concealing therefore their pestilent doctrine by their specious and flattering discourse, they circumvent the more simple-minded and such as are open to fraud, nor do they spare in the meanwhile to traduce our piety to all. Hence it comes to pass that some, subscribing their letters, receiving them into the church, although in my opinion the greatest guilt lies upon those ministers who venture to do this, because not only does the apostolic rule not allow of it, but the working of the devil in these men against Christ is by this means more strongly kindled. Wherefore, without delay, brethren, beloved, I have stirred myself up to show you the faithlessness of these men, who say that there was a time when the Son of God was not, and that he who was not before came into existence afterwards, becoming such when at length he was made, even as every man is wont to be born. For they say God made all things from things which are not, comprehending even the Son of God and the creation of all things rational and irrational, to which things they add as a consequence, that he is of a mutable nature, and capable both of virtue and vice. And this hypothesis being once assumed, that he is from things which are not, they overturn the sacred writings concerning his eternity, which signify the immutability and the Godhead of wisdom and the word, which are Christ. We therefore say these wicked men can also be the sons of God even as he, for it is written, I have nourished and brought up children. See Isaiah chapter 1 verse 2. But what then follows was objected to them, and they have rebelled against me which indeed is not applicable to the nature of the Savior, who is of an immutable nature. They, throwing off all religious reverence, say that God, since he foreknew and had foreseen that his Son would not rebel against him, chose him from all. For he did not choose him as having by nature anything specially beyond his other sons, for no one is by nature a son of God, as they say. Neither is having any peculiar property of his own, but God chose him who was of immutable nature, on account of the carefulness of his manners and his practice, which in no way turned to that which is evil. So that if Paul and Peter had striven for this, there would have been no difference between their sonship and his. And to confirm this insane doctrine, playing with Holy Scripture, they bring forward what is said in the Psalms respecting Christ. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. But that Son of God was not made from things which are not, and there was no time when he was not. The evangelist John sufficiently shows when he thus writes concerning him. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father. See John chapter 1, verse 18. For since that divine teacher intended to show that the Father and the Son are two things inseparable, the one from the other, he spoke of him as being in the bosom of the Father. Now that also the word of God is not comprehended in the number of things that were created from things which are not, the same John says, all things were made by him. For he set forth his proper personality, saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. See John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. For if all things were made by him, how comes it that he who gave the things which are made their existence, at one time himself, was not? For the Word which makes is not to be defined as being of the same nature with the things which are made. Since he indeed was the in the beginning, and all things were made by him, and fashioned from things which are not. Moreover, that which it seems contrary to be and far are removed from the things which are made, from things which are not. 
For that indeed shows that there is no interval between the Father and the Son, since even in thought the mind can imagine any distance between them. But that the world was created from things which are not, indicates a more recent and a later origin of substance, since the universe receives an essence of this sort from the Father by the Son. When therefore the most pious John contemplated the essence of the divine word at very great distance, and is placed beyond all conception of those things that are begotten, he thought it not meet to speak of his generation and creation, not daring to designate the creator in the same terms as the things that are made. Not that the word is unbegotten, for the Father alone is unbegotten, but because the inexplicable substance of the only begotten Son transcends the acute comprehension of the evangelists, and perhaps also of angels. Wherefore, I do not think that he is to be reckoned among the pious who presumes to inquire into anything beyond these things, not listening to the saying, Seek not out the things that are too hard for you, neither the search the things that are above your strength. For if the knowledge of many other things that are incomparably inferior to this are hidden from human comprehension, such as in the Apostle Paul, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them to love him. See 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2-9. to As also God said to Abraham that he could not number the stars. See Genesis chapter 15, verse 5. In that passage, who can number the sand of the sea and the drops of the rain? See Sirach chapter 1, verse 2. How shall anyone be able to investigate too curiously the substance of the divine word, unless he be smitten with frenzy? Concerning which the spirit of prophecy says, Who shall declare his generation? See Isaiah chapter 53, verse 8. And our Savior himself, who blesses the pillars of all things in the world, sought to unburden them of the knowledge of these things, saying that to comprehend this was quite beyond their nature, and that to the Father alone belonged the knowledge of this most divine mystery. For no man, says he, knows the Son but the Father. Neither he knows any man the Father save the Son. See Matthew chapter 11, verse 27. Of this thing also I think that the Father spoke in the words, My secret is to me and mine. Now that it is an insane thing to think that the Son was made from things which are not, and was in being in time, the expression, from things which are not, itself shows, although these stupid men understand not the insanity of their own words. For the expression, was not, ought either to be reckoned in time, or in some place of an age. But if it be true that all things were made by him, it is established that both every age and time and all space, and that when in which the, the was not is found, was made by him. And is it not absurd that he who fashioned the times and the ages of the seasons, in which that was not is mixed up to him, saying that he at some time was not? For it is devoid of sense and a mark of great ignorance to affirm that he who is the cause of everything is posterior to the origin of that thing. For according to them, the space of time in which they say the Son had not yet been made by the Father preceded the wisdom of God that fashioned in all things. And Scripture speaks falsely according to them, which calls him the firstborn of every creature, conformable to which that which majestically speaking Paul says of him, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world, but by him also were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things. See to the letter of the Colossians, chapter 1, verses 16 to 17. Wherefore, since it appears that this hypothesis of a creation from things which are not is impious, it is necessary to say that the Father is always the Father. But he is the Father, since the Son is always with him, on account of whom he is called the Father. Wherewith, since the Son is always with him, the Father is always perfect, being destitute of nothing as regards good, who not in time, nor after an interval, nor from things which are not, has begotten his only begotten Son. 
How then is it not impious to say that the wisdom of God once was not which speaks thus concerning itself? I was with him forming all things. I was his delight. Or that the power of God once did not exist, or that his word was at any time twisted, or that other things which were ever wanting from which the Son is known and the Father expressed. For he who denies the brightness of the glory existed takes away also the primitive light of which it is the brightness. And if the image of God was not always, it is clear also that he was not always, of which it is the image. Moreover, in saying that the character of the substance of God was not, he also has done away with who was perfectly expressed by it. Hence, one may see the sonship of our Savior has nothing at all in common with the sonship of the rest. For just as it has been shown that his inexplicable subsistence excels by an incomparable excellence all other things to which he has given existence, so also his sonship, which is according to the nature of the Godhead of the Father, transcends, by an ineffable excellence, the sonship of those who have adopted by him. For he, indeed, is of an immutable nature, every way perfect and wanting in nothing. But these, since they are either way subject to change, stand in need of help from him. For what progress can the wisdom of God make? What increase can the truth itself and God the Word receive? In what respect can the life and the true light be made better? If this be so, how much more unnatural is it that wisdom should ever be capable of folly, that the power of God should be conjoined with infirmity, that treason should be obscured by unreason, or that darkness should be mixed up with the true light? And the Apostle Paul says on this place, What communion has light with darkness, and what concord has Christ with Belial? See 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14-15. to and Solomon says that it is not possible that it should come to pass that a man should comprehend with his understanding the way of a serpent upon a rock, which is Christ, according to the opinion of Paul. But men and angels who are his creatures have received his blessing, that they may make, make progress, exercising themselves in virtues and in the commandments of the law, so as not to sin. Wherefore our Lord, since he is by nature the Son of the Father, is by all adored, but these, laying aside the spirit of servitude, when by brave deeds and by progress they have received the spirit of adoption, being blessed by him who is the son, of na son by nature, are made by sons of adoption. And his proper and peculiar nature and excellent sonship, St. Paul has declared, who thus speaks to, of God, who spared not his own son but for us, who are not his natural sons, delivered him up. See Romans chapter 8, verse 32. For to distinguish him from those who are not properly sons, he said, that he was his only son. And in the gospel we read, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. See Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. Moreover, in the Psalms, the Savior says, The Lord has said to me, You are my son. Whereas showing that he is the true and genuine son, he signifies that there are no other genuine sons besides himself. And what, too, is the meaning of this? From the womb before the morning I begot you. Does he not plainly indicate the natural sonship of paternal bringing forth, which he obtained not by the careful framing of his manners, not by the exercise of and an increase in virtue, but by property of nature? Wherefore, the only begotten Son of the Father indeed possesses an indefectible sonship, but the adoption of rational sons belongs not to them by nature, but is prepared for them by the probity of their life and by the free gift of God. And it is mutable as the scripture recognizes, for when the sons of God saw the daughters of men, they took them wives. See Genesis chapter 6, verse 2. And in another place, I have nourished and brought up children, but they have rebelled against me. See Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2. As we find God speaking by the prophet Isaiah. And though I could say much more, brethren, beloved, I purposely omit to do so, as deeming it to be too burdensome of a great length to call these things to the remembrance of teachers who are the same mind with myself. For you yourselves are taught of God, nor are you ignorant that this doctrine, which has lately raised its head against the piety of the churches, 
that of Ebion and Artemis, nor is it anything else but an imitation of Paul of Samosota, bishop of Antioch, who by the judgment and counsel of all the bishops, and in every place, was separated from the church, to whom Lucian succeeding remained for many years separate from the communion of three bishops, and now lately having drained the dregs of their impiety, there have arisen among us those who teach this doctrine of a creation from things which are not, their hidden sprouts, Arius and Achilles, and the gathering of those who join in their wickedness, and three bishops in Syria, having been in some manner consecrated on account of their agreement with him, incite them to worse things. But let the judgment concerning these be reserved for your trial. For they, retaining in their memory the words which came to be used with respect to his saving passion, and abasement, and examination, and what they call his poverty, and in short, of all those things to which the Savior submitted for our sakes, bring them forward to refute his supreme and eternal Godhead. But of those words which signify his natural glory and nobility, and abiding with the Father, they have become unmindful. Such as this, I and my Father are one, see John chapter 10, verse 30, which indeed the Lord says, not as proclaiming himself to be the Father, nor to demonstrate that the two persons are one, but that the Son of the Father most exactly preserves the expressed likeness of the Father, inasmuch as he has by nature impressed upon him his similitude in every respect, and is the image of the Father in no way disrespectant, and the expressed figure of the primitive exemplar. Whence also to Philip, who was then desirous to see him, the Lord shows this abundantly. For when he said, Show us the Father, he answered, He that has seen me has seen the Father. And since the Father was himself seen through the spotless and living mirror of the divine image, similar to which is what the saints say in the Psalms, In your light shall we see. Wherefore he that honors the Son honors the Father also, and with reason, and for every impious word which they dare to speak against the Son, has reference to the Father. But after these things, Brethren beloved, what is there wonderful in that which I am about to write? I shall set forth the calumnies against me and our most pious laity. For those who have set themselves in array against the Godhead of Christ do not scruple to utter the ungrateful ravings against us, who will not either that any of the ancients should be compared with them, or suffer that any of those whom, from our earliest years, we have used as instructors should be placed on a level with them. Nay, and they do not think that any of all those who are now our colleagues, have, has attained even to a moderate amount of wisdom, boasting themselves to be the only men who are wise and divested of worldly possessions, the sole discoverers of dogmas, and to them alone are those things revealed which have never before come into the mind of any other under the sun. Oh, the impious arrogance! Oh, the immeasurable madness! Oh, the vainglory befitting those that are crazed! Oh, the pride of Satan which has taken root in their unholy souls! The religious perspicuity of the ancient scriptures caused them no shame, nor did the consentient doctrine of our colleagues concerning Christ keep in check their audacity against him. Their impiety not even the demons will bear, who are ever on the watch for a blasphemous word uttered against the Son. And let these things now be urged according to our power against those who, with respect to matter which they know nothing of, have, as it were, rolled in the dust against Christ, and have taken in hand to calumniate our piety towards him. For those inventors of stupid fables say that we who turn away with aversion from the impious and unscriptural blasphemy against Christ, of those speak of his coming from the things which are not assert, that there are two unbegottens, for they ignorantly affirm that one of two things must necessarily be said, either that he is from things which are not, or that there are two unbegottens. Nor do these ignorant men know how great is the difference between the unbegotten Father and the things which were by him created from things which are not, as well the rational as the irrational between which two was holding the middle place, the only begotten nature of God, the word by which the Father formed all things out of nothing, was begotten of the true Father himself. 
as in a certain place the Lord himself testified, saying, Everyone that loves him that begot loves him also that is begotten of him. Concerning whom we thus believe, even as the apostolic church believes, in one father unbegotten, who has from no one the cause of his being, who is unchangeable and indemutable, who is always the same and admits of no increase or diminution, who gave us to the law, the prophets and the gospels, who is the Lord of the patriarchs and apostles and all the saints, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, not begotten of things which are not, but of him who is the Father, not in a corporeal manner, but ex by excision or division as Sibylius and Valentinus thought, but in a certain inexplicable and unspeakable manner according to the words of the prophet cited above, who shall declare his generation. See Isaiah chapter 53, verse 8. Since that his subsistence, no nature which is begotten can investigate, even as the father can be investigated by none, because that the nature of rational beings cannot receive the knowledge of his divine generation by the father. Then men who are removed from the spirit of truth have no need to learn these things from me, for in our ears are sounding the words before uttered by Christ on this very thing. No man knows the Father save the Son, and no man knows who the Son is save the Father. See Matthew chapter 11, verse 27. That he is equally with the Father, unchangeable and immutable, wanting in nothing, and the perfect Son, and like to the Father we have learned. And this alone is he inferior to the Father, that he is not unbegotten. For he is the very exact image of the Father, and in nothing differing from him. For it is clear that he is the image fully containing all things by which the greatest similitude is declared as the Lord himself has taught us when he said, My Father is greater than I. And according to this, we believe that the Son is of the Father, always existing. For he is the brightness of his glory, the express image of his Father's person. But let no one take that word always so as to raise suspicion that he is unbegotten, as they imagine who have their senses blinded. For neither are the words he was or always were for all the worlds equivalent to unbegotten. But neither can the human mind employ any other word to signify unbegotten. And thus I think that you understand it, and I trust to your right purpose in all things, since these words do not at all signify unbegotten. For these words seem to denote a simply a lengthening of time, but the Godhead, and as it were, the antiquity of the only begotten, they cannot worthily signify, but they have been employed by holy men, while each, according to his capacity, seeks to express this mystery, asking indulgence from the healers and pleading a reasonable excuse in saying, Thus far have we attained. But if there be any who are expecting from mortal lips some words which exceed human capacity, saying that those things have been done away which are known in part, it is manifest that the words, He was and always and before all ages, come far short of what they had hoped. And whatever word shall be employed is not equivalent to the unbegotten. Therefore, to the unbegotten Father, indeed, we ought to preserve his proper dignity, in confessing that no one is the cause of his being, but to the saint must be allotted his fitting honor, in assigning to him, as we have said, a generation from the Father without beginning, and allotting adoration to him, so as only piously and properly to use the words, he was and always and before all worlds, with respect to him, by no means rejecting the Godhead but ascribing to him a similitude which exactly answers in every respect the image and exemplar of the Father. But we must say to the Father alone belongs the property of being unbegotten. For the Savior himself said, My Father is greater than I. And besides the pious opinion concerning the Father and the Son, we confess to one Holy Spirit, as the divine scriptures teach us, who has inaugurated both the holy men of the Old Testament and the divine teachers of that which is called the New. And besides, also, only one Catholic and apostolic church, which can never be destroyed, though all the world should seek to make war with it. 
but it is victorious over every Im most impious revolt of the heretics who rise up against it. For her goodman has confirmed our minds by saying, Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. After this we know of the resurrection of the dead, the first fruits of which was our Lord Jesus Christ, who in very deed and not in appearance merely carried a body of Mary, Mother of God, who in the end of the world came to the human race to put away sin, was crucified, died, and was buried. Yet he did not thus perceive any detriment to his divinity, being raised from the dead, taken up into heaven, and seated at the right hand of the majesty. These things in part I have written in this epistle, thinking it burdensome to write out each accurately, even as I said before, because they escape not your religious diligence. Thus do we teach, thus do we preach. These are the apostolic doctrines of the church, for which also we die, esteeming those but little who would compel us to forswear them, even if they would force us by inflictions, and not casting away our hope in them. To these Arius and Achilles opposing themselves, and those who with them are the enemies of the truth, have been expelled from the church as being foreign from our holy doctrine, according to the blessed Paul, who says, If any man preach any other gospel unto you that that which you have received, let him be accursed, even though he feign himself an angel from heaven. And also, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to the wholesome words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, and so forth. These, therefore, who have been anathemized by the brotherhood, let no one of you receive, nor admit of those things which are either said or written by them. For these seducers do always lie, nor will they ever speak the truth. They go about the cities, attempting nothing else but that under the mark of friendship in the name of peace. By their hypocrisy and blandishments, they may give and receive letters. To deceive by means of these a few silly women and laden with sins who have been led captive by them, and so forth. These men, therefore, who have dared such things against Christ, who have partly in public derided the Christian religion, partly seek to traduce and inform against its professors before the judgment seats, who in a time of peace as far as in them lies have stirred up a persecution against us, who have enervated the ineffable mystery of Christ's generation. From these I say, beloved and like-minded brethren, turning away in aversion, give your suffrages with us against their mad daring, even as our colleagues have done, who having been moved with indignation, have both written to us letters against these men, and have subscribed our letter, which also I have sent to, unto you by my son Appion the deacon, being some of them from the whole of Egypt and Thibad, some from Libya and Pentapopolis. There are others also from Syria, Lycia, Pamphylia, Asia, Cappadocia, and the other neighboring provinces. After the example of which I trust also that I shall receive letters from you, for though I have prepared many helps towards curing those who have suffered injury, this is the special remedy that has been devised for healing the multitudes that have been deceived by them, that they may comply with the general consent of our colleagues, and thus hasten to return to repentance. Salute one another together with the brethren who are with you. I pray that you may be strong in the Lord, beloved, and that I may profit by your love towards Christ. And that was a letter that was at, that was dense at times, but you kind of get the message. He explains first their error. And then he expounds exactly why it's an error. In this case, the error is denied that Christ was co-eternal with the Father, that he'd always existed. And, of course, he corrects the error, and then he explains to them what should be done with heretics, which is to say, make no, make no common cause with them. Keep away from them. They are not to be trusted. That is the teaching of the saint. A hard teaching for our soft modern ears. Let me know what you thought of that in the comments. And yes, I apologize if it was a little dense, but the writings of the church fathers are never simple. 
as always pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.